Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence Podcast for Friday, July 21st, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have New York City paying out to mistreated George Floyd protesters, FTX sues SBF, Twitter to subpoena Senator Warren, and KPMG says generative AI and their board cheers wildly. Let's end the week not with a bang, but with that weird paper-turning sound we use between stories. Swish whip. On this day in history, July 21st, the North Atlantic Treaty of NATO fame was ratified in the Senate. In the wake of World War II, the United States emerged as an unrivaled superpower, boasting a robust military, thriving economy, and moral ascendancy. Despite a history of isolationism encouraged since the time of George Washington, shifts in policy started to emerge. On March 12, 1947, President Harry S. Truman issued his Doctrine of Containment, signaling a departure from the U.S. tradition of avoiding non-domestic conflicts. Truman promised aid to all free people under threat, marking a shift with financial assistance to Greece and Turkey to shield them from communism. In 1948, the U.S. introduced the European Recovery Program, commonly known as the Marshall Plan, designed to rebuild war-devastated Europe and bolster its economies. Simultaneously, the Senate approved the Vandenberg Resolution in June 1948, paving the way for U.S. participation in peacetime collective defense systems. Beginning in 1948, confidential discussions among American, British, and Canadian officials eventually expanded to include other future allies, laying the foundation for the North Atlantic Treaty. Despite strong isolationist and unilateralist sentiments in the Senate and among the American populace, significant events like the Berlin blockade and the Czechoslovakian communist coup in 1948 helped to alter perspectives on Europe. The Red Scare did a lot of that heavy lifting, too. Finally, on April 4th, 1949, U.S. Secretary of State Dean Acheson signed the North Atlantic Treaty, aligning the United States more closely with Europe's future. The Senate ratified this treaty on July 21st, 1949, with an 83 to 13 vote. Four days later, President Truman and Secretary Acheson signed the Instrument of Accession, establishing the United States as a founding member of NATO. Yesterday, New York City agreed to pay $13 million to hundreds of individuals arrested during the George Floyd protests in 2020. This marks the largest class action settlement ever paid to protesters in the United States. The protests were in response to the death of George Floyd, an unarmed black man at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer. Each of the more than 1,300 protesters arrested between May 28th and June 4th, 2020 will receive $9,950 as part of the settlement. However, those charged with crimes like arson or property destruction will not receive any part of the settlement, which still requires approval by U.S. District Court Judge Colleen McMahon. Allegations of police misconduct during the protests include the use of pepper spray, excessive force with batons, and kettling, a practice where police corral protesters into a confined area. Earlier in March, New York had agreed to a separate $7 million settlement for over 300 people arrested during a June 4th, 2020 demonstration in the Bronx. FTX Trading has filed a lawsuit against its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, and several former executives aiming to recover over $1 billion they allegedly misused before the company's bankruptcy. The lawsuit, filed in Delaware Bankruptcy Court, also includes defendants Caroline Ellison, Gary Wang, and Nishad Singh. FTX accuses the defendants of misappropriating funds for luxury real estate, political donations, speculative investments, and other personal interests, describing their actions as one of the largest financial frauds in history. The alleged fraudulent transfers took place between February 2020 and November 2022 when FTX filed for Chapter 11 protection. Bankman-Fried has pleaded not guilty to several criminal charges, while Ellison, Wang, and Singh have pleaded guilty and agreed to cooperate with prosecutors. The lawsuit alleges that a significant portion of the misappropriated funds include over $725 million of equity awarded without any return value, as well as $546 million used to purchase Robinhood market shares. The case is now pending in the U.S. Bankruptcy Court, District of Delaware. Twitter has announced plans to subpoena U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren as part of an ongoing dispute with the Federal Trade Commission concerning data breaches. 
Last year, following billionaire Elon Musk's acquisition of the social media company, extensive layoffs and cost reductions led to questions regarding Twitter's ability to comply with an FTC consent order. Twitter has asked for this consent order to be annulled, alleging FTC bias and overreach in its filings in a federal court in San Francisco. Warren, along with several other Democratic senators, previously urged the FTC to scrutinize Twitter's privacy policies post-layoffs and consider enforcing actions against its executives if necessary. The subpoena demands all communications involving Twitter or Elon Musk between Warren's office and the FTC, as well as between her office and the Securities and Exchange Commission. In 2020, Twitter agreed to pay $150 million in a settlement with the FTC and the Justice Department over allegations of private user information misuse for targeted advertising. KPMG is harnessing generative artificial intelligence to assist tax professionals and audit processes, marking a significant stage in its $2 billion commitment to AI integration. The firm has developed a virtual assistant, which aids in gathering tax data and analyzing tax obligations. Powered by Microsoft's cloud platform and OpenAI's ChatGPT, KPMG envisions a return of up to $12 billion in revenue from the five-year investment. Other big four accounting firms are also investing heavily in AI, with Deloitte, PwC, and Ernst & Young launching their own generative AI initiatives. While enhancing productivity, the firms remain cautious about the use of AI in audits, aiming to certify, verify, and understand the results it generates. However, the application of generative AI is not without potential risks, including the possibility of overlooking gaps in its applicability across different regions and functions. Despite these challenges, firms recognize AI's transformative potential for their business operations. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or story suggestions, you can find us on Mastodon on the esq.social instance. I'm at Andrew and my co-host Gina is at Gina. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and do not represent those of any organization we may be affiliated with. Nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is not legal advice. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment and can leave a rating or review on your podcast player, we'd appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in a story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. We'll see you back here on Monday. And until then, remember, by the end, the Holy Roman Empire was neither holy, nor Roman, nor an empire. So take that and run with it.